0: Heard the name Ebels, but now you need to remember My Delta 8. From the same people who brought you Ebels, My Delta 8 is Delta 8 THC, offering a semi sedative physical sensation without the overwhelming mental simulation of Delta 9 THC, resulting in a smoother, much milder experience. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 offer both best quality product and customer service in the industry from helping manage chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more. The reviews are in, folks. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 are truly game changers as a natural alternative to big pharma drugs. And hey, yours truly here at The Brian Nichols Show can vouch for the quality of Evils and My Delta 8 having to deal with a herniated disc in my back, plus years of sports injuries. Ebles and My Delta 8 offer relief where generic medicines simply mask the pain. And did you know you can get Evils and My Delta 8 delivered right to your door at a special discounted price? That's right. All members of The Brian Nichols Show audience can use promo code TBNS at checkout and boom, discount applied. Again, that's code TBNS at checkout to get the highest quality CBD and Delta 8 THC on the market delivered right to your door. One more time, the code is TBNS at checkout. Victor Antonio, welcome to the program. Selling is all about, really, It's we're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not selling value, you're not selling whatever you think you're selling, a solution, you're selling change. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement this is why we talk about being the trusted advisor. You should be able to help use that expert guidance and all the opinions that I'm sure that you have and help lead them towards not just a decision, but the right decision. Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Friday there, folks! Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, in fact, your humble host, and before we get started, thank you to our good friend Fritz from FritzCast for jumping in and doing a special solo short with uh, one of our past guest episodes we've been doing here, Fritz talked about the importance of civil disobedience and how you can be revolutionary without being violent, a great solo short there, so make sure if you didn't get the chance, go ahead and check that out there from yesterday's episode, but today, good friend, uh, he is from the organization We All Know and Love Free the People, uh, headed by the the great team, uh, the duo, that is Matt and Terry Kibbe, we are joined by Logan Albright, uh, and today he is joining, discussing his brand new book, Conform or Be Cast Out. Yes, a nice homage to the band Rush, which of course I I have to mention on today's episode, but a very important conversation looking at especially the discourse that we've seen take place here in America, especially over the past two years. Conformity is on the mind, so what is Logan's response? Well, you'll have to stick around to find out. So with that being said, on to the show, Logan Albright here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, Logan. Thank you for joining the program and the thank you for all the work you have been doing along with the amazing team of, uh, over at Free the People, headed by the great Matt Kibbe and the wonderful Terry Kibbe. Uh, you guys have done phenomenal work and you help tell stories, which is, uh, I think, sometimes uh, an underutilized art that we could really focus on in the greater liberty world. And we're kind of going to be doing that today because you have a brand new book called Conform or be cast out, and there's a reason people hear that, and they might say, huh, that sounds familiar. Logan, maybe it's because it sounds a little uh, something like, here, let me go ahead, yeah, this is great audio, here we go. A little like this. Now your astute audio listener is going to be like, hey, I know that sound. That's the sound of Rush. Yes, and, and the greatest drummer alive, Neil Peart. Um, subdivisions, and that's one of the lines from that song. And I'll pause here, because I know that's going to be hard to hear over. Sadly, Rush. no
1: longer the greatest drummer
0: alive. <sighs> oh, that's right. I know, I just actually forgot about that. That and Now I remember again, and now I'm sad. Yes, Neil Peart, rest in peace. One of one of the best drummers, though, of all time. Um, I remember there was the video of him doing um a a drum solo it was like a nine minute video and he's just he's just a a master at his craft but beyond the, the the actual work he does from the percussion standpoint going to the songwriting the lyrics I would love to hear starting off Logan as we we look at you know your storytelling what was the inspiration that you took from Neil Peart from Rush as you go ahead and author your book conform or be cast out
1: Yeah. So actually I had the idea for the book first. It's something that I've been kind of mulling over for a while. And the basic thesis of the book is to look at the ways in which societies have punished or, uh demonized nonconformists throughout the history. And I'm I'm looking at a very specific type of demonization, a literal demonization in which people are identifying nonconformists with some sort of metaphysical evil, whether it be devil worship or witches or demonic possession or something like that. And the title just suggested itself to me like very naturally uh, because I am a big rush fan. I listen to all their stuff and I love that song. It's one of my very favorites of theirs. And it, it just was a happy accident that that title fit perfectly I actually have on the, the cover of my book here, this is an illustration from Paradise Lost, and you see Lucifer being cast out uh, for his unwillingness to conform. So it just fit perfectly, and I think it's a great title and very catchy, and I, I do owe Neil Pert a debt of gratitude for that. So I'm, I'm just
0: guessing shot in the dark, that the idea of non-conformity maybe came top of mind in an era of, oh, what, this uh, past two almost years now, which is horrifying to even think about, of uh, this this COVID-ism that's been going around, this uh, institutionalized hypochondriism that I've found, hypochondriism, hypochondria, whatever the word is, regardless, if you don't conform to it, you are looked at sometimes like you have four heads, like you are a demon, um... Dig into that is that is that maybe something that inspired you to focus
1: on this specifically right now, Logan? Well actually, no, because I wrote this book in two thousand and nineteen and it's just taken a while to get published, but you know to quote another rush lyric Pusa Chan mim shows like things just are always the same. you have the same struggles over and over again, and um you know it it happens to be incredibly relevant right now, which is <laughs> I guess fortunate for me in a certain sense, but I'd rather it not be the case how relevant it is because we're certainly in an era where we're being very heavily pressured to conform to a certain mindset, even when it doesn't make any logical or scientific sense.
0: Yeah, well, conformity right now. Yeah, if you don't conform, you are looked at like, I mean, let's go back to the very beginning. And that's also kind of scary that you hadn't written that when when COVID came, because that's that's just speaking to, yeah, these themes kind of carry throughout history. And we really, we need to learn from it. Yeah, the history doesn't repeat itself necessarily, but it certainly rhymes. But when you're looking at, um, when you're looking at this literal demonization, um, I would love to see, you know, because you you obviously can look at the confines of what's happening this, with this COVID hysteria. You see a lot of people who can't have conversations. And I would, I would love to, see, you know, have you dig into when you're going into the, the actual, is, is a story that you're telling a narrative? And, and if so, how, how are you articulating this non-conformity non-conform, uh, in, in the lens of the uh, the actual story itself?
1: Uh, It's not a single narrative, but I'm trying to trace the phenomenon through its historical roots through a variety of high-profile incidents throughout history and in a number of different facets. Like, there's a chapter on uh, medical nonconformism, which is incredibly relevant right now. And, you know, there's chapters about the the Salem witch trials and the Inquisition and things like that. uh, One of my favorite subjects is the satanic panic of the 70s and 80s, in which there was this specter of these satanic rituals that didn't exist, that people were freaking out about and afraid of. And their fear led them to do horrible things and ruin people's lives. Uh, uh, that's something that we're certainly seeing right now and, you know, where fear has taken over the mainstream narrative and people are just terrified. And, and we're seeing this where you refuse to do something maybe with your own body or with your children that you're demanded to do. And they're not only disagreeing with your choice to do that, but they're kind of trying to categorize you as some sort of moral evil. Because you're refusing to get vaccinated or you don't want to get your children vaccinated or you don't want to wear a mask outside by yourself, you're a bad person. You're hurting other people. And it's, it's this kind of moralizing, this moral majority, which used to be on the right. You know, A lot of the examples in my book come from the Christian right, of uh, people who are saying you, know, you have to obey our way of doing things or else you're morally wrong. And now we're seeing it on the left. So, I mean, it's, both sides are certainly culpable of this.
0: Oh, let's go, Brandon. I mean, just like look at like if you don't conform to that being just like the worst thing ever said, you you also look like you're one of uh, the the people with three heads. But you're touching on what you're talking about in an article you actually just wrote over at the Brownstone Institute. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, look here. It's medical nonconformity and its persecution. And uh, you start off the tendency for society to exert pressure on its members to conform to certain behavioral norms is nothing new. It's easy to see how in the earliest human societies where the basic survival was precarious at best, the nonconformist might represent threat to a group's stability and would therefore be discouraged by whatever means necessary. I mean, right there. Just hit the nail on the head in terms of what just happened over the past two years and how people not only have been reacting, but also how they've they've been really um, conditioned to react. You look at what... I would look at the, the mainstream corporate media and what they have done in terms of helping propagate this COVID fear porn. It's ridiculous. You you can at one point acknowledge the dangers of COVID, but at the same point in time have a rational ability to make logical decisions based on the number one, the data and, and information available. But number two, your own personal risk assessments. You I mean, that's I don't know what's so Crazy about that that we can make risk assessments. We do it every single day. You drive to work in the day you're making a risk assessment that you could get in a car accident, that somebody could be a drunk driver and hit you. All these bad things could happen, but we we still make these decisions. But then you you apply, well, it's a virus Logan. It's a virus, and it could be in the air, and you could be unintentionally putting people at risk. And that becomes a hard argument. And at the very beginning of the pandemic, there were articles, tweets, all galore. There's no libertarians in a pandemic. Remember though? Remember all that? That was so much fun. And now all of a sudden, it's like, uh, actually, <laughs> actually, um, everybody pretty much ends up being a libertarian at the end of a pandemic. Um, and that's why I think, I mean, we're recording here on uh election. Night. I have a strong gut feeling. We're going to see, uh, Glenn Youngkin just, just, trample uh, Terry McAuliffe there in, in Virginia. Knock on wood if I'm if I'm wrong, uh, but fingers crossed because I think that will be a start to a big change. Um, but going back to the conformity, how do we answer that? Because, I mean, at the onset, there's a lot of libertarians, and I'm not going to point fingers, though I could easily, who were like, oh yeah, well, you know, they're right. We could end up hurting people and they, they unfortunately play the role of useful idiot. But what would be that answer to the well you could have a virus you could get other people sick logan what, what should be the libertarian response?
1: There's a couple of ways you could answer that question. I think uh, there's a historical argument and there's sort of the the knowledge problem argument. Uh, first of all, if you look at historical examples where the government has tried to mandate certain types of medical procedures or you know heavily encourage medical procedures, it doesn't always end well. It's ended very badly. Um, I'm really fond of pointing out the eugenics experiments in the early 20th century, which nobody ever likes to talk about. They're kind of buried in history. I don't think they're taught in schools. But, you know, the government was forcibly sterilizing tens of thousands of American citizens without their consent and uh, because they thought it would improve the race. It was this idea of, you know, if we if we make sure that uh, unfit people don't breed, our race will be better in the future for the common good, Uh, which is a really evil idea, but was very popular and mainstream at the time. And we elected a eugenicist president in Woodrow Wilson. So like this is not a fringe movement. Um, and that was horrible. And we only stopped when we went to war with the Nazis and realized that they were doing the same thing and maybe it wasn't a good look for us. Uh, but you have other things like the thalidomide experiments too, where you had all these babies born with, uh, deformities and you have these, uh, like the radium girls where radium was this new treatment that was put in toothpaste and mints and chewing gum yep. and stuff and just caused massive amounts of radiation poisoning that the people in charge or the people in, in government, I don't even want to give them the dignity of calling them in charge They don't know everything, you know, and they make mistakes. And when you mandate something on a population wide level, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong for everybody. And so it's much better to let people make their individual choices. And some are going to make the right choice and some are going to make the wrong choice. But you don't run the risk of just wiping out an entire group of people because you made the wrong decision and mandated it for everybody. So that's a really strong argument against those type of mandates, I think. I, I I had this conversation with one of my employees
0: uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we we were going back and forth, uh, you know, on a lunch break, just just you know, mental, mental, uh, you know, jiu-jitsu, and it was fun, he, he's a little bit younger, and, and he's definitely more uh, left-leaning, and I've gotten to the point now where I think he's starting to understand that he's actually more of like a, a le- I, I almost say a left libertarian, which I know that a lot of people in the audience are like, what? But it's more so the understanding that, hey, if you are going to go ahead and have a society, let like, almost like a voluntary society, right, Um, if you want to go pay crazy amounts of taxes, sure, go go have that world and then we'll have our world. That's fine. Um, I think he's starting to find he's more of that. But one of the arguments that I keep on going back to when I'm having this conversation, it's not even really an argument, it's just more of a, a question I'll pose to him and I'll say, okay, so what will you do in the situation that whatever your moral good person is doing, all of a sudden gets replaced by the worst person in the world? What will you do then? And every time he's just kind of like has that, moment and you realize he's starting to, to to get it because if you if you have a situation where that one person, good or bad, for good purposes or more nefarious purposes, will have that top-down decision, It impacts everybody. There is no ability for market recourse. And you had another great uh, line in the article. I was actually scrolling here when you were talking to try to find it. You say, I recently stumbled across a reference to mandatory vaccination in the 1905 essay entitled How I Became a Socialist by Jack London. London explains that he was forcibly injected by a medical student during a a period of incarceration for vagrancy and cites the incident as part of a long list of grievances against how the poor are treated. And this is where you go into the quote. Ear, uh, I stayed in, into uh, I strayed into Niagara Falls. Was nabbed by a fee hunting constable, denied the right to plead guilty or not guilty, sentenced out of hand to thirty days imprisonment for having no fixed abode and no visible means of support, handcuffed and chained to a bunch of men similarly circumstanced, carted down country to Buffalo registered at the Erie County Penitentiary had my head clipped and my budding mustache shaved was dressed in convex stripes, compulsorily vaccinated by a medical student who practiced on such as we made to March the lockstep and put to work under the eyes of guards armed with Winchester rifles, all for the adventuring in blonde beastly fashion. Um, Wow. Wow. I mean, and that's from 1905 and now we're seeing again, this conversation take place. And and one, I know, I know, Twitter is not real life. I get that. However, <laughs> there are people on Twitter who are real people. And I've seen some people, especially in the pro-Australia-New Zealand camp, I don't think that that would be anything they would be too upset with, Logan.
1: Yeah, and I think that, um, that London quote is particularly interesting because he was a committed socialist throughout his life. And he is... Articulating a lot of the complaints that you see the modern socialist movement complaining about, which I think that they rightly complain about things like police abuses and prison abuses and the way that the poor are treated by the the state. Uh, which I totally agree with those complaints. And one of his complaints is that they're injecting him with medicine against his will. And like you would think people who are worried about police power and who are worried about persecution of the poor would have a problem with this because, you know, it's it's the poor who suffer under these things always. And we know now that, you know, minority communities are the ones who have the lower vaccination rates uh, across the country. And, th- you know, they may have very good reason to be skeptical of vaccinations, And uh, historically speaking. and yeah. But, you know, trying to coerce them into doing this this it doesn't seem very uh, it doesn't seem to, to fit with the other complaints that the socialists have about the abuses of police power
0: well how do we how do we win them over then right because this this whole show is focused on sales and marketing so let's go back to the the non argument from the onset this is the mentality we have to at least get them to be open with and and I mean let's maybe go back a step are they that the market now I mean I see a lot of people on the far left, I would say, have kind of given up on principles in pursuit of power. That's scary to me. Well, it's starting to happen
1: on the right, too. You're seeing a reactionary right wing saying, well, if the left is just going to be after power, we might as well do the same thing because it's us or them at this point. And both sides are very frightening to me. I think there's so few people at principle left that it's really scary to see that. And I don't honestly know how to persuade them on what we're trying to do at Free the People is to to show people that this is not a good way. I, I had hoped going back to the point that you made about the people in power, I had hoped that the Donald Trump administration would wake a lot of people up to the fact that when you give the president such unlimited, unchecked power and someone like donald trump becomes president that may not be good for everybody maybe we should be a little careful about that it doesn't seem to have taught anybody that lesson so i don't know but um i I just try to have kind of one-to-one conversations with people and say you know you have to realize if this can be used to do something you want it can also be used to do something you fear and hate and uh, that's the nature of power
0: well i I use that as one of the main arguments not even i I keep on saying the word word argument i think that's just like in our mind now what you have to say whenever you're making a, a, a position that's the the premise. There we go. Of my book, um, I wrote the ebook. Um, four easy steps to help, uh, sell liberty to friends and family. And and the whole idea is that you don't have to be the person standing in the the, the front of the auditorium with a crowd of three hundred. You don't have to be the person sitting behind the microphone talking to an audience of thousands. No, you you what you can do is you can be the person at the water cooler talking to Bill and Jan and and just listening to what they're talking about the issues they care about and then if if they're looking if they're open you can tell and this is the other thing too you can tell when somebody is open for business right if they're ready to have a conversation you can tell you know and and when you enter into that conversation if you're willing to offer solutions and truly help them uncover not just, you know, what the pain points are, but how they can actually overcome them, show them that path forward right there. I find that I get more success going that route than browbeating people, than arguing with people. If anything, arguing with people just reinforces the positions that you believed in the first place. And you have what we have now, what you just talked about, right? The two sides who have gotten even more polarized and now they're just going to wield power and you have two fists just fighting each other. And, and it what do you do? What it, and let me ask you this, what do you do? How do we turn down the intensity, turn down the rhetoric to be able to at least have, I would say, the larger group of people in the middle to be able to have a civil, rational conversation?
1: Well, I think that it has to be done on the individual level. I don't know if there's kind of a scalable mass way to do this because there has to be a foundation of trust in order to get people to think about what you're saying and listen to you. I've always said that you can't change other people's minds. They can only change their own minds and they have to be in a position where they're willing to make that change. So I've been having all kinds of great conversations about this book with people. I've been talking. There's kind of a broad crossover appeal in the the topic of the book. So like, I had an interview the other day with a fundamentalist Christian and then the, the very next day I had an interview with the guy from the satanic temple and they were both fantastic conversations and we listen to each other and we disagree on certain things but we like we have share a basic, you know, desire to live free and to, you know, be able to express ourselves without being persecuted. And so you, you really have to get people who are willing to listen to you and have those conversations. And then if you publish those conversations, then maybe other people will find them and, and learn something from them. But I really think there has to, you have to build that foundation of trust because otherwise people are just going to think that you're trying to sell them something. You're trying to convince them of something that they don't want to be convinced of. And they put their shields up. And once their shields are up, you're not going to get to make any headway whatsoever. So you oh have to gosh. like show them yes. that you're a good person and that you're, you're not out to hurt them or control them. Just want, here's my idea is listen to them. I think that's the way you have to go about it. It's really hard.
0: I'm fist bumping off off camera here, Logan, because in sales, that is easily one of the most under underappreciated and underutilized skills is building that natural trust. And you do that by being authentically you and showing you care and building that connection. If you just go in and you show that you're just trying to sell something right there, red flags go up. They're like, Oh, this guy has commission breath. I know he he's just trying to sell me something. And I, one of the things I make it a point to do whenever I, I you know engage in, in a, a conversation with a, a person on the phone if I'm, I'm I'm having a next step and stuff and I've able to build some rapport I feel comfortable or rather they I, I feel they they're more comfortable enough for the the email I'll say by the way, you know what are what are one of the one or two worst things you hate about sales guys And you know what they always are? number one um, they're always trying to sell me something that I don't need. Um, meaning they don't care about what my, I actually need what problems I have and number two they they don't make me feel special they they just make me feel like I am a means to an end so if I need to hit my quota at the end of the month then it's just you know it's this person plus this person equals ka-ching and I now I've, I've made my quota and on to the next and that's that's not a salesperson. That That's an order taker who's just going on to the next. So we see this in politics, too. And that's why I think what you're doing along with Matt and the team over at Free the People has been so successful. Because, I mean, I took the, the documentary, you guys, with, with uh, Thomas Massey, and I've been able to share it with lefty friends. And they didn't realize it was, oh, it's that Thomas Massey, the COVID Thomas Massey. And then all of a sudden, like, their brains explode. Because as they watch the documentary... They don't think of him that way. They think of him as this guy who's this eco-friendly guy living on a self-sustaining farm in Kentucky and he just happens to be a congressman. Yeah, it humanizes him
1: and shows that he's more than just a set of political positions.
0: Bingo, bingo. And that, I think, right there is exactly... the the path that we need to take. If we want to have long-lasting success, even if it's not necessarily on the micro level, and if we're trying to build some type of of solution going forward as a, a larger movement, that is the template that works. So follow the template, at least, instead of just trying to reinvent the wheel every single time. But back to what we want to talk about, and that is your book. So, we obviously, uh, conform or be cast out. We want people to be able to go ahead and find that. Now, where can they go ahead and find that? I didn't see, I was going to our email here. I, I didn't see a link. Where can they go ahead and purchase this bad boy?
1: Right. Well, it's available on Amazon.com right now. Uh, it's actually coming out December first, so you can pre-order it now. Uh, great Christmas gift for people who are looking for something. Uh, available on Amazon.com, on BarnesandNoble.com, wherever fine books are sold. I believe the ebook is due to be out imminently. So if you want an ebook rather than a paperback, you can get that as well. You can also go to my website, which is LoganAlbright.com, and view all my work there. And, uh, there's, yeah, that's the way to get it, but there's lots of different avenues to purchase it. If you don't want to go through Amazon, you can go through the publisher directly, or you can go through Barnes and Noble or any of those other sites.
0: And how about this? If they, if they do want to go to Amazon, I'll make it easy. We'll make it an easy show link here, briannickelshow.com forward slash conform ha how about that i'll bring you right to the link and uh, how about this for the the end of the show logan what i'd like to do is give you a a platform to really focus on anything from the conversation to that you want the audience to leave with and obviously the nonconformity i think is something that we really we focused on and i think we really should hammer home so is there anything in that world you want to focus on specifically and then otherwise anything top of mind fire away my friend
1: yeah, I think that like first and foremost, that I consider myself an individualist. There's all these labels you can apply. You can call I call myself a libertarian. I call myself an anarchist. But you know, first and foremost, I'm an individualist because I value the dignity and the uh, sovereignty of the individual, and that's kind of what the motivating factor for this book is—to celebrate people and to defend people who embrace their individuality and who go out on a limb and do something different. And the point I like to make about this is that while you know in primitive societies being a nonconformist could be dangerous to the group it's also impossible to make any progress without people who are willing to do something different if you keep doing the same thing over and over again you're never going to stagnate you're never going to do anything different so we need nonconformists in society to bring us forward and to do things and when you have this inherent hostility towards them and wanting to beat them down and persecute them and stop them from being different and demand conformity you you're inhibiting progress itself and while there are certainly types of nonconformism that aren't good there's uh You know, per se, I think nonconformity should not be punished just because it's different. And I think that we're all individuals and we can all find something within ourselves that's a little different from everybody else. And we wouldn't want that to be attacked by other people. So we should extend the same generosity and charity to other people.
0: It's okay to be different. Not only is it okay to be different actually in sales, being different is a... A differentiator, which helps you win. Uh, that being said, Logan, it's a great conversation. And folks, again, you want to go ahead and get the book, BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash conform, conform or be cast out. Thank you so much, Logan Albright, for joining us here on today's episode of the Brian Nichols Show. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. It was a lot of fun. Have you checked out the new Brian Nichols Show collection over at Proud Libertarian? Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop and you can grab some amazing Liberty swag that will definitely help pique some interest from our good ideas don't require force snapbacks, Alexa overthrow the government t-shirts, Question Everything mugs, and of course our ever popular Don't Hurt People, Don't Take People's Stuff bumper sticker. The Brian Nichols Show shop over at Proud Libertarian has all the Liberty swag you need. And hey, if you're looking for more awesome Liberty apparel. Check out the rest of the amazing Proud Libertarian store while you're over there. And be sure to use code TBNS at checkout to get 10% off your entire order. That's right, 10% off your entire order from Proud Libertarian including everything over at the Brian Nichols Show shop. And all you have to use is code TBNS at checkout. One more time, head to Show.com forward slash shop and check out the brand new Brian Nichols Show store over at Proud Libertarian and use code TBNS at checkout for 10% off your Entire order. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up our conversation with Logan Albright. Thank you for joining the show, Logan, and uh, folks. If you want to go ahead and yes, get a copy of Logan's brand new book, head to briannickleshow.com forward slash Conform, and you can go ahead and find Conform or be cast out. And uh, yes, folks, uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please do me a favor, go ahead give today's episode a share and uh, also when you do, make sure you go ahead and uh, give Yours Truly a tag at B Nichols Liberty and while you're at it go ahead and give Logan a tag as well. His social media can be found in the show notes. Go ahead click the artwork in your uh, your podcast. It'll bring you right to the bnickelshow.com where you can find today's episode including the transcription plus all 300 almost 400 episodes total available for you the amazing audience here at The Brian Nichols Show. So, with that being said, coming up tomorrow, yes, the one and only Jeremy Todd is continuing his Cell uh, Liberty program over on Facebook Live that aired actually yesterday, uh, Thursday evening, so if you missed that on Facebook Live, no worries, you can catch it again tomorrow where he discussed all things social media with social media extraordinaire Shay Harrington and uh, discussed jeremy and shay discuss how to grow your social media her recent journey mastering her physical fitness and a lot more so make sure you've hit that subscribe button so not only do you not miss the brian nichols show every single day yes sunday through saturday but also make sure you head over to youtube give a subscribe to both the brian nichols show as well as sell liberty so you don't miss again a single time a video version of the program goes live. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off. here on The Brian Nichols Show for Logan Albright. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at liberty and consider donating to the show at com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.